thanks for tuning in to Wild Hearts with Janine. I'm Janine, the host of this podcast. And you guys, I am legitimately so excited that you guys are tuning in today to this episode because this topic that we're going to be talking about is something that I'm super passionate about, something that's really close to my heart. And I have the joy of getting to chat about this with a very dear friend of mine who I cannot wait for you guys to meet. Our topic today is why you should take a solo trip. And obviously, this is something I want to talk about because I've taken many solo trips and my guest today has as well. We actually met while we were both taking solo trips in Europe, which is amazing. But I will let her tell you that story because I think she does a much better job of it. So anyway, instead of me continuing to ramble, let me go ahead and introduce you to my friend, Katya. Katya, hi. Hi, Janine. How are you? <laughs> Girl, I'm so good. I'm so glad that you are here with me today. I'm so excited. It's kind of crazy to think that where we met and we'll get into that in a second, but now we're recording a podcast about it. Yeah, it's been a wild two years. I just I texted you the other day, but like two years ago, you and I were in Scotland together, like toward the end of our big Europe trips. And we had so much going on, like so much was being revealed to us. And we were also questioning a lot about like what we were going to do next. And obviously things yeah. have worked out for the most part. <laughs> TBD. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I, I said that, and then I was like, "Wait, we still? I, don't, I still don't know what I'm doing." But here we are. It's unfolding. It is. It's unfolding every day, one little bit at a time. Well, Katya, would you do me a favor and just introduce yourself a little bit? Share, you know, a little bit about who you are, where you live, maybe your age, and what you do. Oh, and a fun fact: I love learning fun facts about my guests. Okay. Yeah. So my name is Katja Zenkovich. I'm 29. And right now I live in beautiful Venice Beach, Los Angeles, California. But I'm from the East Coast. So I grew up in Brooklyn. And I did the whole New York corporate situation growing up. And now through after travel and everything like that, I work remotely, I work for an e commerce company. And so I do product development, which is super fun. But the best part about it that kind of stuck with me post solo travel is just getting your schedule back, you know, and having flexibility. My mm -hmm. fun fact that I'll say is I used to compete. I don't know if you know this, actually. I used to compete in Latin ballroom dancing. And <laughs> no, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, in high school, I used to compete in Latin ballroom dancing. And I went to the studio of the two brothers that are now or were on Dancing with the Stars. So Maxim and Val Chmerkovsky. No way. Yeah. No, yeah, you're so joking. Had, I love yeah, Dancing with the Stars. I didn't know that. Yeah. So they had a studio because they were really good in the competitive ballroom dancing world. And it wasn't anywhere near as popular it is, as it is now. And so they had a studio that was, oh my God, Rising Stars, it was called in Saddlebrook, New Jersey. And I, I went there and I competed in Latin ballroom dance. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, truly, I had no idea. And also, I'm so <laughs> jealous. I literally love Dancing with the Stars. Every time, every time there's a new season, I just think I wish I was famous just so I could be on this show. Just yeah. for that reason. Well, next time you and I hang out, I'll give you dance lessons. Yes, that sounds amazing. <laughs> That's so fun. Okay, Katya, this is an answer I cannot wait to hear. <laughs> How do we know each other? Yeah, so I met you, I think it was like three weeks into my so long solo trip. So I've done solo trips before I did a long solo trip. And we stayed in the same hostel in Rome. And I remember I saw you. And I'm very big on following my intuition. And I saw you and you had a bow in your hair and you were working on your laptop <laughs> and you had a sticker that said wild and free. I remember the word wild was on there. <laughs> and I was like, she looks really cute and really cool. I think like I think she could be a friend. It was just like a feeling. And I was like, OK, go and just sit next to her and see if you can just share the same charger. I don't remember if it was like a packed room, but I feel like it was pretty empty. And I just sat next to you and we started talking and we clicked and the rest is history. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we, that's so funny. Through that conversation, we decided to get dinner and then, you know, we hung out a bunch in Rome and then we ended up meeting later in our trip, which is crazy. So well, I remember, yeah, because I think I was like one day into Rome. I had a couple of days left mm -hmm. and you and I did that one night where we like, Went and I had to find the little roundabout where part of the Lizzie McGuire movie was filmed. 
Yeah. Because huge Hillary Duff fan over here. I loved her when I was in like middle school and high school. And we found it and we played Why Not on our phones super loud and like danced in the middle of this roundabout. (laughs) It was amazing. And I think you had so many things to do in Rome. And I was and I think we'll talk about it a little bit more. And I just kind of arrived and you're like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, sure. You're like, this this is the best. (laughs) best inexpensive pizza place in Rome. I'm like, you don't have to say anything else. I already said I'm done. And you're like, and then there's these berries. And then there's this this park. Have you heard of this park? I'm like, no. (laughs) So I got to just tag along and just go along for the ride of all of your beautiful plans. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun. I'm so glad we met. It's wild to me that like, had we not been in that same random hostel in Rome, you know, just happened to overlap for a few days. Yeah, it's just wild to me. Two years later, we're still really good friends. I love that. Okay, well, this is going to probably be an easy or maybe a difficult question to answer. I'm not really sure. But where's your favorite place you've ever been or a place you're hoping to go? I feel like once you start traveling, you want to go everywhere. So I don't feel like I just have one place that I want to go. I'm waiting for the world to open up again so I can go everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I was also really fortunate last year after I stopped doing like just solo travel that I got to travel a lot with work. So literally since I've started traveling, it's been nonstop. My favorite places I've been though, I would say Israel has been amazing. Mm -hmm. And especially in the US, what we hear of Israel is like very politicized. But if you take it as like just cities by themselves, right? And you don't take the politics of it. It's just so beautiful. It was a lot safer than I expected. I was there for work. So it was just incredible, the culture and like completely just not what I expected at all. The people were amazing. The food was incredible. That is definitely top of my list. And then other places that I really, really loved is just Spain. There's something about the Mm. Spanish culture. that's just so warm and so full of life. The siestas definitely drive me crazy because there's nothing like being hungry at 3 p.m. and everything is closed until like (laughs) 6. And you're like, what is going on? But everything from Barcelona to doing the Camino, which I'll kind of talk about a little bit later on. It's just Spain has such a special place in my heart. And I I just really love that country. I can't even pick a city there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the people are so wonderful. Also, tapas are where it's at. Like, give me all the tapas, all the patatas bravas. Like, I just want that every day. (laughs) Okay. Well, our topic today, which we've already touched on multiple times, (laughs) <laughs> is all around solo travels. So why you and everyone should take a solo trip. And there are so many reasons why I think everyone should at least once in their life. But I also know that there are some obstacles that, you know, both internal and external that, you know, we kind of have to work our way through before we, for most of us, before we'll feel like we can go do that kind of thing. So I just wanted to get you on the podcast so that you and I could share our experiences with solo travel, both the good and the bad. And some of the funny as well, some of the stories, and (laughs) hopefully encourage everyone who's listening who either has taken a trip and wants to take another one or has always wanted to, but just hasn't felt like they could take a solo trip. So you kind of already answered this question about some of your favorite places you've visited. Do you have any others that are just favorites, like for some outstanding reason? And then at the same time, on the other kind of on the other side of the coin, have there been any places you visited that weren't your favorite? Yeah, I've done a lot of European trips. So a lot of Europe, I really, really loved. I didn't love like the Eastern Bloc on a personal level. But I think it's because so I'm I'm Russian, I call myself Russian. I was born in Belarus, which was like, it's a small country, a part of the former Soviet Union. So when I visited Bulgaria, I kind of felt like I was visiting, you know, like home. And so maybe because it felt too similar. So for me, I really like Western Europe. But I know a lot of people who've done the whole Eastern European circuit and just had the best time as well. So I think at that moment in time, it just wasn't my favorite thing to kind of visit or it just wasn't, you know, what I was looking for. Other places that have been interesting and like, I wouldn't even call them not so favorite because I learned so much was visiting China was like mainland China through work was very interesting. Everything from not having access to like regular internet. So you're not able to just, you know, go there and open your Facebook or your Instagram. You need to do it through like VPNs and things of that nature because the government actually cuts down communication 
let me tell you, if you get out of the like touristy parts, it's not a language that you can kind of learn, you know, the basic words as easily as you would in like, you know, Spanish or French, Mm -hmm. you know. And so (laughs) you kind of have to point and hope. Luckily, they have a lot of, especially with food. So you get a lot of like, sorry, I don't understand you situations there. So it was very entertaining, for sure. But probably not my favorite place. I was also there for work. So it was like less touristy and fun as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found the places, especially on my first big Europe trip, the places that like, weren't my favorite often came after places that I absolutely loved. Mm. So it almost wasn't fair to those places. Right. <laughs> like I look at a place like I went to Bern, Switzerland. It was the only place in Switzerland I went to simply because it was a very expensive country to visit. And I went there after I had visited the Alsace region of France, which was like Strasbourg and Colmar and all those little quaint villages that inspired Beauty and the Beast. And they were just amazing. And then I went to Switzerland where everything was really expensive. And I don't think there was actually anything wrong with the city. I just was like sad that I had left the city that I had just left. So there were a couple of those. Also, there was somewhere I went in the US and I was like, yeah, I could have passed that up. I don't remember where it was. It was on one of my road trips. But yeah, there's always little, you know, kind of dips in the travel life. But then like you go somewhere like, I mean, I don't know, for me, it was Ireland. Obviously, I kind of brag on Ireland all the time. But you go there and you're like, oh, this is like where my soul feels like it belongs. And it's just an experience unlike anything else. And those, it's easy for those kinds of places to become personal favorites. Yeah. And to that <laughs> point, I think it's important for anyone who's listening to this or anyone who's, you know, talking to their friend and asking about where did you love and where, you know, what was your favorite and not so favorite is we all have very unique tastes, just like we do in food. Mm-hmm. And even though you might be my best friend, it doesn't mean we're going to order the same thing off the menu and definitely ask for, you know, recommendations and things of that nature. But don't weigh too heavily on my favorite things or Janine's favorite things or your friend's mm-hmm. favorite things and really allow this to be your own experience. I think Paris is what that you and I personally love, but a lot of people really dislike it because for whatever reason, you know? And so I think, you know, just allowing yourself, it's kind of like a movie, like don't allow it to get ruined by too many opinions to the best Mm -hmm. of your ability and try to see everything with new fresh eyes. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's true. Like, you know, everyone's opinion on different places or even recommendations, things like that, like take it for what you want to take it for, but then like do what you want to do regardless of what other people think or other people have said or you know, just do the things you want to do no matter where it is and go the places you want to go. Like if you want to go somewhere that isn't yeah. super popular, like go. That's totally OK. You should go do that. Yeah. Don't be too swayed by the opinions, positive or negative from other people. And also understand like Rome might be one of my favorite cities because I met Janine, who's now become one of my, you know, close friends in life. <laughs> but you might go and you might, you know, get approached by, you know, right where in the touristy part, you might get approached by too many vendors and have an off experience. And so it'll be colored by that, you know, yeah. it could be colored by the TSA agent when you go into the city. Like there's a lot of little things, you know, the weather, your mood that will, it's kind of like college tour visits, you know, it's like if it's raining, yeah. don't write it off. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of Rome and speaking of rain, it rained a lot when we were in Rome. Do you remember that? (laughs) But like we mentioned, we met two years ago in Rome where we both quickly realized we were on our own kind of long multi-month trips across Europe. It was so interesting. I'll let you tell the story, but like it's so interesting that our journeys were very similar in how and Mm -hmm. why we were traveling. So that being said, how and why did you decide to take such a long solo trip? Yeah, basically, my journey started when I was working in corporate and I used to work in finance in Rockefeller Center, New York. And it just, I didn't, I wasn't happy. And I looked at my life and I said, okay, you haven't the apartment you thought you wanted, you had the job you thought you wanted, like, what's going on? Why aren't you fully happy? And I asked myself the question of if you could do anything, and that would truly make you happy, not just like, buy a purse or like get something or whatever, what would it be? And it was travel. And Mm -hmm. the second I realized that I just realized that life is too short not to go after your dreams. And I didn't want to wait to travel like in my retirement, I wanted to do it when I was young. 
And I literally came home that night and started looking at my finances in order to make that happen. And so that was a big why is I wanted to see the world. I wanted to explore. I really, you know, I wanted to see things not just on my Instagram or read a book about it. I really wanted to go and experience it, you know, eat gelato in Rome, like have a crepe in Paris and a baguette, have tapas in Spain, have a gyro in Greece, like those things were just calling my soul. And that was a big decision. And it took me about a year and a half to two years to put, make it happen. And I think that's where your and my journey is very similar because, you know, financially we had to make it happen for ourselves. And that included for me mm-hmm. getting out of debt. Mm-hmm. So you got out of debt and then you decided yeah. to take that big trip. Yes. Yeah. And it was the hardest thing. It was the one of the first big leaps of faith I would take in my life because I quit my job to do so. Um, <laughs> in corporate America, many people who are going to, you know, in the States know that there's 10 to 15 days you get per year. And mm-hmm. I ended up traveling from April to August, there was no job that was going to give me that kind of leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if anyone can relate, hi, it me, I did the same <laughs> thing. I quit my full time job and moved back to my hometown, stayed with some people who are basically family. And then I took my big four and a half month trip across the year. Like literally our journey, our journeys, that's not a word. (laughs) Our journeys, our journeys were so similar despite kind of happening on different coasts, which I just think is so beautiful. And the fact that then we met in Rome, so random, but like also not random at all. Right. It was, it was definitely (laughs) divine in some way, shape Mm -hmm. or form. Mm -hmm. Well, when you were, you know, starting to consider potentially taking a, a solo trip, whether it was a big one or not. What misconceptions did you have about traveling solo before actually doing it? So I thought solo travel meant I was going to be alone all the time. So I was so scared that I would just be like, (laughs) I don't know, I almost had this image of me walking through the streets and like almost being like a ghost and no one seeing me, you know, and so I'd have to like, go do all these things by myself. That was probably the biggest thing was like, because I didn't know anyone where I was going. And so it's like, who's going to talk to me? Am I going to be eating by myself all the time? You know, what is that going to look like? And yeah, I the thing that really helped me at that point was having a friend who did a good amount of solo travel and just having her reassurance. I don't think at that point there was a ton of solo travel podcast like it wasn't as big as it is now I feel like right now solo Mm -hmm. travel definitely is more popular than it was even like a couple of years ago and so I feel like there's a lot more resources now and I see it a lot more I just see travel a lot more in general I think it's become normalized I think you know some of these budget airlines are making it possible to get from the states to Europe for cheaper and so it's opening it up another thing is I thought it was going to be really expensive And when Mm -hmm. I realized that living in New York (laughs) was one of the most expensive (laughs) places to live in the world Uh and just spending time on like Airbnb and seeing the comparisons, especially if you're doing a hostel. And I was like in my mid twenties, early to mid twenties at that point. So I was willing to do that versus now I'm probably not doing any hostel travel ever or maybe very rarely. So I thought it was going to be really expensive. But I love hostels. Right? They're the best. They're so amazing. But when I when I compared my rent to what I was actually spending in a month, I realized that, oh no, like living in New York, or I was actually living in Jersey City, but like, and commuting into Midtown every single day, that's way more expensive than, you know, a lot of the cities in Europe, especially if you're not in like the big, big ones. Mm-hmm. I thought it was also going to be very expensive. And I started saving and started realizing like once I did a little bit of research on, you know, kind of what lodging would cost in these places and what, you know, transit between cities would cost and you know how much money would I need for food. Once I started like actually doing the math on it, I was like, okay, so it'll cost, you know, like, for example, 10 grand to travel for a few months or something like that. And obviously that's not like super mm-hmm. bougie. That's pretty, pretty budget friendly way to travel. I wanted to see and do as much as possible. I didn't want to spend a ton of money on where I was sleeping because I wasn't going to spend yeah. that much time there. And so mm-hmm. I started doing the math and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to save 10 grand. And when I started talking with like what I would have called at the time, quote unquote, real adults who were like in their like 40s and 50s, 
when I started talking to them about it, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to travel for like three or four months and I have this, I'm going to have this much money saved. People were like, you know, some people spend that much on like a two week trip. And I was like, what? That's crazy to me. What? I know, but it's true. There's so many different and you learn there's so many different levels of travel. You have like the mm -hmm. hotel and the touristy, like it's crazy. It's, and I honestly don't even enjoy that level of travel because one of the things I like the most, and I'm talking about like the very touristy spots. I'm not saying that I don't like noise hotels because that's not true. <laughs> I, I'm talking about the, like, the beauty of travel for me is seeing how other people live, you know? So like mm -hmm. you said, you shouldn't really be yeah. spending a lot of time where you're sleeping, but the really like expensive tours and things like that. I was able to do without a lot of those kind of things and really expensive, yep. like touristy meals, you know, things that I would equate like eating in midtown um, Manhattan for, you know, things that are kind of, yeah, that's not going to be the best food you have. No, I think it's all about prioritization. So if your priority is like seeing as much of a place as possible, you're probably not going to spend a ton of money on where you're sleeping. But, right. you know, if you're all about that bougie life and want a four star hotel and you can afford it, then like, Go, go for, for it. it. I just couldn't. And I don't think I'd want to. I was like, you know <laughs> what? But And the other advantage to hostels, which obviously our friendship is a testimony to, is you get to meet other travelers, especially other solo travelers. And then who knows, you could end up with a lifelong friend. Hey guys, I'm just hopping on really quick to let you know about something new and really exciting. A few weeks ago, I launched my new online course, The Simple Guide to Solo Travel, and I figured I had to drop a little note about it on this episode considering that we're talking about solo travel. So if you have been dreaming of exploring the world on your own terms, of course, once travel bans are lifted and we're able to travel a little bit more freely, I cannot recommend more the course that I just created, The Simple Guide to Solo Travel. In it, I am teaching everything I've learned and done and refined in terms of traveling solo. The beauty too is that the content is recyclable and evergreen. It can be used for any trip of any size at any time, whether you choose to do it solo or with a partner or with a group of your friends. I want to teach you how to travel in a budget, to have a solid itinerary, and to save money. Yes, you heard me right. I want to help you save money while you travel. Ultimately, I want to equip you to be able to travel successfully, safely, and confidently. So if you were interested, head to simplesolotravel.com. Check it out and join me today. So when you decided, when you were like, I'm doing this, I'm going to take this solo trip, did you receive any pushback? And if so, how did you move past it? Yeah. So you know the story very much in depth. <laughs> it, so the important thing to take note of is this wasn't just a solo trip for me. This was, hey, dear parents, I'm quitting my entire life. I don't know how long I'm going for. So I didn't even have a return ticket. And to the extent that I didn't know if when I got there, customs would kind of turn me around. Because obviously, when you arrive to Europe, they have a limit of how many days you can stay there. So it's 90 days to stay within the Schengen region total out of like 180. So I just bought a one-way ticket to Barcelona from New York. It was $147. I'm not kidding. My wow. dad literally asked if um, I got put in with the cargo and I said, I don't care. <laughs> 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 but the biggest pushback wasn't taking a solo trip, it was, you know, coming to my parents who came to this country and worked really hard to get me here. And, you know, me achieving, you know, what they thought was success in my career, having a really good mm -hmm. paying job, and then just coming to them one day and be like, yeah, I'm out. So the pushback was definitely really strong. Because when they asked me, what are your plans for your life? I said, I don't know, I just want to take this trip. And I definitely got a lot of pushback. The thing that helped me move past it is, again, having support from my friends and something that I learned from Tim Ferriss. He wrote the book called The 4-Hour Workweek, and he has like a really like award-winning podcast. But he talks about something called fear setting. So a lot mm -hmm. of times we really think of these worst case scenarios and we kind of live as if they're going to happen. So an example was, what's the worst case scenario that could happen? Okay, so I go on this trip, I hate it, and I buy a plane ticket back, which was already in the budget anyway, right? 
And then I go and I stay with my parents for a bit and I've rebuilt my life in New York. So it's the worst case scenario when you really write it down on paper and you ask yourself, okay, what am I really scared of? And how would I get out of it? That's what helped me move past it, as well as having a friend who's kind of went through the experience and told me that like solo travel is going to be amazing for you. You're going to love it, you know, just from knowing me. Those two things were like the biggest thing is you need at least one support system that you can kind of call and cry because you might have those days, you know, whenever you do something new, whether it's like going to school for the first time or like a new school for the first time or getting a new job, we all have those days. And solo travel is just like that. You're building a new skill set. You know, you're building something that's out of your comfort zone. So those are the probably biggest two things. I think, yeah, I agree. I think some of my biggest pushback, honestly, was internal. Like, I think Mm. I was putting more limitations on myself and my dreams of traveling than anyone or anything external was. I dealt with a lot of like feelings or or thoughts that like it was crazy and it was irresponsible Mm. that I wanted to travel for a few months, which also meant I had to quit my job and, you know, move out of where the place I was living and do all these things that, you know, in our world and in this culture and society, you know, would be looked at as not being the thing you should do. It doesn't like advance you into the level of adulthood that is the expectation. But when I started like actually voicing those internal thoughts I was having, some of the adults in my life more adults than I was at the time. Some of the people older than me that I looked up to, they were like, this is the time in your life to go do that. Like, you know, you will have gotten out of debt, which I know you can relate with. You're still in your 20s, which honestly, even now that I'm in my 30s, I'm like, I would still go do it even in my 30s. I think it's all about just like, is this the right time? Am I set up financially to be able to do this? I don't mean I had to, you know, have thousands and thousands of dollars in excess, but just like, are you being responsible with the amount of money that you have? And, you know, if you're kind of figuring out what you, it is you want to do, then it's a great time to go travel if you're not like, I mean, I don't know. I was in a job that like I didn't love and didn't really know fully what I wanted to do. Spoiler alert, I still don't. But <laughs> but because I, because I traveled, I ended up in the job jobs. I'm a freelancer that I now have. And now I get to work remotely, which, you know, post COVID world, hopefully will mean that I get to go travel again and still be able to work while I do so. And yeah, I just found that a lot of my pushback was internal. And if I, I don't know if I, if I wouldn't have spoken out about it, like, would that have kept me from traveling if I didn't Mm. have some other voices saying like, no, 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 shut that down. Like shut those feelings and those thoughts down because they're not true. Like go do the thing now that you feel like you're supposed to do. And I'm so glad I did. Right. And so many of our jobs are able, have always been able to be completed from home as we saw like with the world shifting almost overnight, really, you know, from the work from home setup. And I find that extremely interesting, but I feel, you know, a few years back, it was kind of a revolutionary act because you're essentially setting out from the pack. And I think that's like solo travel or anything else that anyone might be going through that's different than your friends, different than your family. It's just a little bit difficult to kind of unplug from the norm. And I think it's okay to be scared and you don't have to suppress it. Just like find a support system, whether it's a podcast or, you know, people's stories or a close friend or whoever in your life that can kind of pour love into you and belief. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we're all meant to be happy. You know what I mean? And so as long as you're, you know, being careful and actually, I don't even like the word careful, to be honest with you, as long as you have like good Mm -hmm. intentions and some kind of plan and some faith, I feel like take a leap. Okay, so since you know we've mentioned we both have on and off solo traveled for the last more than two years, we've experienced some high highs and probably some low lows. Um, yeah. So what would you say, in your opinion, are some of the best and some of the most challenging parts of traveling solo? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to start off with the challenging parts. I think okay. um, for me, the challenging parts were... some of my like mental anxieties and mental stresses, I thought they would magically disappear. And one of the best quotes I heard about this is wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's so true, because when you solo travel, you kind of learn what it's like to be your own best friend. And 
it starts up a very beautiful relationship, but in the beginning, it could be a little bit tough. And so I think just the uncertainty and really beginning to form that relationship with yourself, especially, you know, if you're not a type of person to like go out for coffee or sit in a restaurant by yourself, I think that can definitely be challenging is the loneliness aspect of it for sure. And then there's unexpected things that could happen. Your bus might break down, your plane might get delayed, (laughs) your travel, you know, your Airbnb host might not be, you know, what as advertised on, you know, you might get catfished, whether it's by the apartment (laughs) or whoever. You're like, wait, how did you get this picture? And then this looks like this. Your hostel might, you know, be overbooked. Like, there's a lot of things that can just like in daily life, you know, you might hit traffic on the way to work. And like, it's just different because now you're alone and you don't have the things that you really rely on to kind of support that. However, the getting through that and being flexible is going to help you in whatever else you face kind of in life. Oh, your luggage getting lost. How about that? You know what I mean? That's happened as well. And then the best is just like the, I don't know, I think it's so cool that the things that people are seeing on their phones, you're seeing in person. I think that's crazy mm-hmm. and, and amazing. And especially I remember like changing my relationship with Mondays <laughs> it might sound weird, but because I had a good t- amount of time off realizing that like Mondays are just another beautiful day and really experiencing these countries, the food, come on, like that's a lot of fun. And just the last thing and most important thing is all the people you meet. Like I wouldn't have met you otherwise, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I've had some of my, I've had a lot of good relationships, strong relationships that have lasted a long time that have come from like solo traveling and just learning about other cultures. Yeah, that's, yeah. The people you meet and the experiences you get to have are easily some of the best parts. And I would add in, just like the confidence that you gain, like I don't, I feel like it doesn't matter how intrinsically confident of a person you might be. When you like really get out there and decide to take a trip by yourself, there is something magical that happens, and you're like, mm-hmm. "Wow, I can, I can do anything." It's the weirdest right. like adrenaline rush, but yeah, you realize like, "Wow, this thing that like I didn't know if I could do, or maybe didn't think I could do at all." which was definitely where I was at, you know, you realize like, oh, shoot, I can like, I can do the thing. Like, this is great. Now, what else can I do now that I know I can do this? And I do agree too. like the hardest or most challenging part for me was like the most I'm more of an introvert. So like, I don't mind being by myself, but I have never been more, you know, I'm not going to say alone because I feel like that has a negative connotation. But you do you have to become your own best friend because you're going to be spending a lot of time not, you know, if you're on like a six hour bus ride or a 16 hour bus ride, because yes, I've done that. You're probably not going to be talking to anyone for that amount of time. Maybe a couple, you know, shallow level, like, Hey, where are you from conversations? But like, it's a lot of time where it's just you. And if you don't know you and like, you don't like you, it would be a little bit more challenging, but I found it ultimately once you kind of push past the uncomfort or the discomfort of that, like there's just so much that you learn about yourself and your abilities and therefore your confidence grows as well. And I mean, I documented it on Instagram when I was in Paris that first trip. I had a rough couple of days. Like I was very lonely, felt very single in the city of love. <laughs> <Go figure. laughs> like I cried on the bus ride. Like it was just like the public transit bus ride. Like what a what a time. But you know, those things ultimately you learn from and you grow from. And so I think even with the challenges that come along with solo travel or like, you know, a car breaking down in the middle of Ireland, even with those challenges, like you learn and you grow so much from them that it's almost like, yeah, that was hard, but I would take that 10 times over for all of the advantages and all of the beautiful parts that solo travel um, encompasses. And I think a lot of that has to do with your attitude. So you had a choice in those moments to kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, One option would be to pack it up and go home and be like, this is a bust. This is over. You know, that's it. This, this city is over. And I think it kind of goes to say how you go through life more so than anything else. It's like, where else in your life are you going to take a bad day, a bad experience? Like these things will happen, right? Whether it's in your nine to five, you know, at home, like you can get into a car accident or overseas. 
I do like to kind of bring in those parallels because, you know, sometimes when we go on vacation, we expect everything to be magical and, you know, some, the bus can break down, your luggage gets lost, what, whatever option, maybe someone's doing some weird stuff in your hostel. Like a lot of stuff can occur. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> hello, <laughs> there's another people there. Or you can just get a snore, right? You can get a snore yeah. that is just like, yeah. okay, wow. Like no one's sleeping anymore. <laughs> We're all awake, <laughs> which has happened. And what are you going to choose to do from there? And like, what are you going to you know, take from it? And I think, you know, from my history of knowing you and my experiences, you've always taken that and consistently just been like, what's the lesson here and how do I move forward? Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing because if you would have known me in the years prior to my solo (laughs) traveling, it was not that way. Um, But yeah, you know, it's, it's ultimately all a choice. I think I've learned through different experiences and even some of my upbringing. I think you and I have talked about this, but like we have a choice in how we react to things. We can become victims to our circumstances and be miserable. Or we can look at it and say like, yeah, that sucked. What do I do now? Like, how do I move forward? And then ultimately, right. how do I learn and grow from this thing? One thing that I really love about you and I is that we are similar, but also very different. Yeah. Um, namely, we approached our trips very differently. I planned a lot of my trip before <laughs> leaving the States I had a pretty thorough like budgeting system and itinerary and, you know, I just kind of wanted a plan. It, I didn't have like the full four months, but it was a good chunk of it before I left the States. Right. And I planned the rest while I was, while I was abroad. Whereas <laughs> you, the way you would say it is that you winged it, right? You kind of left your itinerary open. Yeah. So I did my research. So I didn't completely like wing it in terms of like, okay, I have a hundred bucks. Let's go. I knew the regions I was going to stay. My thought yeah. because when I was going to plan this, I did a lot of research on the top cities to visit. And I knew that if I stayed in like the smaller cities, so like outside of Paris, Amsterdam, London, like I knew I was going to visit them, but I knew I had, I, in order to maximize my length of trip, which is kind of was my primary goal. I didn't mm-hmm. want to just go to, you know, the big cities, you know, spend, even if you're staying in hostels or Airbnbs, it's so expensive there. It's kind of wild, like very pricey, similar to, you know, staying in New York, unless you're staying in the outskirts that you would have to kind of manage accordingly. So I knew that I'd stay in like smaller cities, like, you know, that would maximize that length of stay. But my thought process was, what if I meet someone really cool and they're doing this thing but now I planned all of this and I can't join them. So it wasn't mm-hmm. just like I didn't want to sit and plan or I don't have that capability. It was definitely more of I want to be open to what life brings me and yeah. be able to plan accordingly. I think what I would have liked to do is have more knowledge or like maybe an itinerary or like a plan of like, okay, if this doesn't work out, I can do X, Y, Z. And I didn't do that at all. So I didn't even kind of plan out a plan or an itinerary that would be my plan B. But I don't think Mm -hmm. it's bad to have things open. If I were doing it again, I would have kind of had, okay, this, this would be, you know, the cities I would visit in and like maybe have my accommodations already set up in those cities. And then maybe just if, um, cause booking flights in Europe isn't as complicated as it is in the States and you're able or expensive or expensive. Yeah. One of the trips I've taken was to Bulgaria. And that was Mm -hmm. literally because the flight there was $7. Yeah, I can't. Literally, if I was going from my parents' house by train into New York City, I think that's like $12. And then (laughs) I was getting on an airplane to go to Bulgaria. And that was literally $7. So it was it was kind of fascinating. But yeah, the only thing that I would have probably done differently is just have like options. So like if I'm staying in Rome, have the hostel there. If I'm staying here, just have some things because I did mm-hmm. spend a good amount of time then planning on the road. So just having your options laid out could be, a, if you still want to wing it, maybe having your options kind of there for you beforehand would be great. Yeah, I would agree because that was my reality. What I booked beforehand, I, I should say... I didn't book like every single day. There was no way in mm-hmm. hell I was doing that. That would have been so many details. It, I looked at it as know where you're going, when, and where you're staying in that place. And right. then how you're getting between the cities for the most part. 
There were some that I was like, oh, I'll just book it once I'm there, find the cheapest bus or the cheapest train or whatever. But I did book most of my lodging. I think I did like my trip was four and a half months. I think I did at least the first two and a half months before I left the States and then kind of booked the rest when I had some downtime in some of the places I went. So there are advantages and disadvantages to both. Definitely. Like I kind of like I said earlier, like some of the cities that I didn't really love did seem to come after cities that I absolutely fell head over heels for. And part of me wishes Mm -hmm. that I would have left some things a little bit more flexible in terms of where I was staying and when I was getting there, because I would have chosen probably to stay in like Cinque Terre for another two days rather than going to Pisa simply because I booked, you know, a train ride to Pisa, which like no, no shame on Pisa. It just wasn't my cup of tea. But then the advantages, you know, were that I wasn't scrambling to get things figured out because they were pretty solid by the time I was in that city, apart from like Mm -hmm. the day to day. Like I had a list of, I had made a, a Google map and some docs and stuff with like places I wanted to go and things I wanted to see and some restaurants that I had heard of or read about. And so, you know, on days where I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I would just like look at my list and be like, oh, yeah, I forgot I wanted to go see the Roman Forum or the Colosseum Mm -hmm. or whatever. But yeah, it's just there's advantages and disadvantages to both for sure. I definitely think having some sort of plan for me at least really set me up in a way that then Mm -hmm. I could make my daily decisions and not be overwhelmed by the amount of decisions to have to make versus... I think I would have been like a disaster if I was like, cool, I'm in Rome now and I have no idea where I'm going next. So let me let me describe kind of how winging it looked like for me. So the things that um, I think it's pretty easy to know, like the top sites, you know, like that's the easy part of travel. Like you can get that really easily. So I would always have the next two weeks planned, if that makes sense. Um, or the next couple of weeks planned at a time. I just didn't do that before leaving. So when I and another thing that I wanted to do was my biggest intention was to see how people lived in these cities and not so much to just like see sites. Because I think especially you and I talked about this on our trips, especially halfway through like every museum and every cathedral just begins to Uh, mold into one cathedral. And you get to... It's beautiful in the beginning. And then you're just like, oh, my God, if I see one more museum or cathedral, you know, you don't go to museums maybe as much in your real life. And then all of a sudden you're all museumed out. So when I was leaving the States, I didn't know when I was. Did you have your return ticket when you were coming back? I did because I wasn't sure if they would allow me because I had read, you know, kind of competing articles online about if you didn't have it booked, they might not let you in at all because you have to prove that you're going to (laughs) leave. Yeah. So, and I think that it's just, honestly, it's different based on where you start, where you take that international flight into makes a huge difference. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I read those same, what it seems like are the same articles. And I was like, well, if anything, I'll just buy a ticket because you're able to do it um, right on the spot there. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, if it's expensive, like I'll just deal with that then. But I just booked a one-way ticket to Barcelona and I knew that I was going to spend a week in Barcelona I booked the flight to Sevilla and then booked my hostel in Sevilla and that was it. And so from yeah. from there it was it was open and then when I got to Sevilla I booked my next 2 weeks and it kind mm-hmm. of ended up working out. And the one thing I'll say that was the beauty of that was the fact that I had so much flexibility. So if I met a friend, I ended up making a really amazing friend from Australia and it was around the halfway point of my trip where I got all museum cathedrals out, couldn't go to another party, whether it was out dancing or just like to dinners. And she told me about something called the Camino Santiago. And the Camino Santiago is an amazing pilgrimage that you're able to do. And it's completely by foot. It's not something um, that's like, you, you can do it with tour groups, but essentially it's something that was around for like centuries that they used to do as uh, religious pilgrimages. Now you can do it, whether you're religious, spiritual, or just this is something you want to do kind of as a hike. And it travels through all these towns. There's a lot of different paths, whether it's France or Spain. And she's like, hey, do you want to do this? And so we went to the nearest sports store. I did it in my like Reebok sneakers that I had <laughs> from like home. And overnight, we en- I just ended up buying enough gear for less than $100 to do a 10-day hike. 
which ended up saving me a ton of money because this pilgrimage is subsidized by the government. And so you stay for five euros, which is the equivalent now of like, what, seven, eight dollars a night. And your food is also kind of like the, the government subsidizes or like certain restaurants just do deals for people. You get like a special passport like you do in like Epcot and like stamps along the way. And yeah, I was able to do that. And that was probably one of the high points of the whole trip, which was incredible. So yeah. I think, you know, having a combination of like, give yourself some flexibility. But again, just like your favorite cities, know your personality type. If you're not going to sleep, because you know, you don't know where you're sleeping in two weeks, then then plan it out by all means. And there's a ton of resources to do so. Yeah, because there is the, you know, you do always run into the issue of like, some hostels, especially if you're going in like high season, like summertime, basically, if you're going to Europe, like it is harder to book hostels last minute. Um, yes. They're probably going to be full. Now you can find an Airbnb. Now, does that mean it's going to be as close to the city center as you want to be? Maybe not. You know, there there are some, I think, disadvantages to waiting till the last minute. Um, sure. But then there are also disadvantages to doing it all ahead of time. I feel like I found a good balance, especially by my toward the end of that first trip where it was like, yeah, like kind of know where you want to go and have some things in line. And if you have to cancel a hostel or an Airbnb, make sure you're only going to lose out that deposit and not like the full right. fee. Because so, there were some times where like I got to my hostel that I was staying at and I was like, oh, no, this is not where I want to be. So I found an Airbnb last minute. Or you and I, you know, we met in Rome. I was like halfway through my trip and you were still toward the beginning. And we decided like we tried to figure out where can we meet up again? Like, at what point and in what place can we meet up again? And we realized we could be in Scotland at the same time. We could be in Edinburgh. And yes. then it was funny because then we both ended up going to London afterwards. So we also got to hang out in London, which was really fun. So there is beauty in both facets of it. Like don't have such a rigid plan that then you are unable to be flexible at all. But I also think like, don't wing it completely. Like don't let everything be last minute. Cause yeah. one, you might actually end up paying more money in the long run. And two, at least in my opinion, I'm like, that's a little bit less safe, like a little too yeah. unsafe. If like my people back home don't know where I'm supposed to be when, because I don't know where I'm going to be. That makes right. me feel a little bit iffy. Right. Have you found that ever since you started? So, or, you know, you went on that first big trip. Have you found like people asking you questions about solo travel? I just find a lot of people are scared. It wasn't even yeah. the planning part, which I definitely got a lot of questions about. Like, I feel like a lot of people from the States don't know exactly know what hostels are. And they're just like, that sounds weird. But in Europe, it's so mm -hmm. normal, you know, mm -hmm. and the hostel culture, like it's so interesting because you have everything from like the very boutique, gorgeous hostels to the like more old school, like I feel like the ones that they had like 20 years ago or 30 years ago types. And so just really understanding what you know, the mental part of that is going to be like, I felt like was the most questions like, how did you do that? Like, they're just so fascinated. It seems so foreign and a little it bit does, wild. Yeah, it does seem foreign. And that's why like, after doing it, obviously, you don't know much until you actually do it, right? You can read all about it. You can watch mm -hmm. videos, you can, you know, read all the blog posts and Instagrams and all that sort of stuff. But like, until you do it, you don't really fully have a grasp on it, which is why, you know, I've been working on a course an online course called The Simple Guide to Solo Travel, which I'm really excited about. So and I've poured I've poured my heart and soul into it. There have been blood, well, maybe not blood, but there's definitely been sweat <laughs> and tears over it. But that's why I feel like once I traveled and started really sharing about it, there was a lot of that like, how did you do it? And where did you start? And how did you get, you know, a plan? How did you save for it? all these questions where it's like, oh, I don't know. I just did it. And then, you know, ultimately right. I think about it and I spent I spent so many countless hours just researching yeah. because I am I am somebody who like I'm going to dig in and try and figure something out before I do it. And then I'm going to, you know, I at least want to figure out the first three steps and then let experience fill in the rest. And so that's what I did with solo travels. I just did all the research and then lived it out for two years. And so that's why I've created this course called The Simple Guide to Solo Travel so that anyone else who you know, is considering or curious or has that sense of wanderlust and wants to take a trip. It doesn't matter how long it is. It can be a four-day weekend. It can be a four-month trip. It could be a gap year. I'm just really passionate. And I know you are too about like people learning and growing and getting out into the world and experiencing other cultures and humanity yeah. and 
and learning more about themselves and ultimately the world and their purpose in it. And so anyway, you know, I've been working on that. I mean, you've been such a support system through it. So I want to thank you. I don't want to interrupt you, but I have to say something. As someone who's As someone who's benefited from your planning, I am so excited for this course. (laughs) So for all of my flexible wing people who wing it as as it's become to known (laughs) in this episode, find yourself a friend like Janine or take this class because the girl has done her research. And (laughs) like we've we did some really cool experiences that I wouldn't have known about. And like she's so passionate about this. And Janine is someone who really prioritizes safety. So if anyone's like concerned about safety, like I think you're going to have incredible tips on that for sure. And just, you know, I also really love all of the food places that you find because big love <laughs> in Paris, like hello, like burrata pizza. Yes. Um, that made the trip. I, t- I Every time I go to Paris, I go to big love and I d- I'll take all of my friends there. But um, I think those things and just like, you know, allocate yourself, you know, the having a resource on the road. And like having a course where there's like videos and just mm-hmm. like some, like some compassion and some support in this, you know, you might be the only person in your town who's doing this, or you might know a lot of people, but I think just having someone who's been through the experience as a resource is so powerful. Thank you, hype girl. I appreciate it. <laughs> and also find yourself friends who hype you up because it's important. Like we're supposed to support each other. <laughs> Why do you think that everyone, but especially young women, like in their 20s, 30s, young professional, out of college, that sort of stuff, why do you think they should take a solo trip no matter the length of the trip? To just get to know yourself better. Like, I think this is the easiest and shortest answer. I can't be a good friend to you or love you if I don't love myself. And the same thing goes with your future partner, especially if we're talking about women I'm a better daughter if I know what keeps me happy. You know, I think so oftentimes we look to other sources to make us happy. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things I learned with like, wherever you go, there you are is, you know, that's your job and knowing how to communicate your needs. And so when you're put in a position and you're overseas or you're away for a long weekend and you're in a bad mood and you look at yourself and you're like, why? And you can't blame your mom (laughs) or your job Mm -hmm. or whoever because, you know, this is you on your trip, you really learn to be responsible for that. And just the amount of independence you gain as well is so crucial. And so I think those two things are just like getting to know yourself better, gaining that confidence, meeting your own needs, learning what makes you happy, just makes you a better person, compassionate to other people because you see other people and how they live Mm -hmm. and just being responsible for yourself. I think... Mm-hmm. Those are a bunch of little reasons for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, I echo all of that, but also just, I mean, getting out of your comfort zone, no matter whether it's a solo trip or anything that feels uncomfortable, is yeah the birthplace for so much growth and so much mm-hmm. magic. Like you, to echo what you said, you just learn so much about yourself and you grow in your confidence and you, I mean, I don't know, for me, at least I felt like, you know, getting out of my comfort zone in that way meant that like I had to deal with some of my stuff. I got out of the yeah. like monotony and the routine of my day to day. And it meant I had to deal with some stuff that I had been avoiding. It also meant that like I learned a lot about intrinsically who I am and what I'm passionate about that I don't think I would have realized otherwise. And for me, I felt like I met God in some really cool ways where I was able to like see him doing stuff or hear like what he was trying to tell me because I was able to do that so much easier because I was outside of everything I knew. And I don't know, just I think getting out of your comfort zone is like one of the best things you can do. It's uncomfortable for a reason. But if you're always in that spot, you're not going to change and you're not going to grow. So I don't know. I just always am like, push yourself, push yourself, because that's where like beautiful things are going to happen. I have one more question for you. Well, then I have some other questions for you, but I have one more question (laughs) around solo travel. So if someone out there who's listening right now, and I'm sure there are some of you guys, if someone out there is really teetering that line between, you know, wanting to take a trip, but they're not sure if they can do it, what one piece of advice would you give to that person? Take a first step. And it would be my advice for anything that's, you know, going out of your comfort zone is just take a first step, whether it's listening to this podcast or booking your first flight or just like, you know, booking your first hostel is like, 
just take a first step. What's the worst thing that could happen? If it's about traveling solo at all, take a long weekend trip, you know, take Mm -hmm. any amount of first step that's going to be some action. Because if you're just sitting there wishing and wanting, you're going to be living in that theory for a long, long time. So maybe you're not Mm -hmm. able to take your dream trip to whatever city is on your list. Take a small step to kind of get yourself warmed up to it. If you were going to Mm -hmm. hike the Grand Canyon and you haven't worked out in forever, you wouldn't just go (laughs) or like run a marathon. You wouldn't just go and run it tomorrow. So think of it that way. Like, okay, this is my bigger goal. Let's just take a first step towards it. And then from there, keep on taking those little small steps and you'll get there. Yeah. And not to toot my own horn, but a great first step if you're kind of on teetering that line. Like, mm-hmm. take my course, honestly. Yeah. I'm not trying to, like, be gross and, like, push my stuff forward. But I do think it just learning the things that I learned and that you learned, too, you know, being able to share that with you guys, like, you will feel more confident and you will feel like you can do it. Because I know what it's like to feel like you can't or to feel like the the odds are against you or it doesn't make sense, like, once you, though, take that first step, whatever that might be, like, you're just going to find that you're taking more and more steps and your steps are going to get bigger and wider. And all of a sudden you're going to look back and be like, wow, what would have happened if I hadn't started with that first step? Like I would have never ended up on this path, which is exactly, amazing. exactly. And, you know, every person who's successful in life has some type of coach, you know, like no one expects, you know, a top tennis player to not have a coach, even the top people have coaches. And so use your resources, whether it's Janine's course or anything else, just open yourself up and see how it goes. I think it's, it's really good to get the experience of someone who's done it before. Mm -hmm. Oh, girl, this makes me want to be traveling (laughs) right now. And we can't really go. No, I sent you, (laughs) I sent you a screenshot. Let's, I think we should travel together and quarantine for two weeks in the UK. (laughs) Okay, well, I have a couple more questions for you to just kind of round out this episode. I ask these of every guest, so I'm excited to hear your responses. Knowing what you know now at 29, what would you tell yourself at age 20? <laughs> There's a few things I wish I could tell her not to do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's don't, okay. Don't date that guy. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the one piece of advice that I, I would give myself at age 20 would be believe in yourself. That would be the biggest thing. I've spent a lot of time researching like successful people and like listening to YouTube videos and podcasts and just really researching success. I think there's a lot of high performance books out there. And if you really look at any successful artist, business person, anything, there's going to be a lot of people saying no, not because they're bad, but because they want to keep you safe. And anytime you're doing something that's new or a little bit out of your comfort zone or your family's comfort zone or your friend's comfort zone, you know, they're going to want to keep you safe. And that's great in a way. You have to believe in your own vision and believe in yourself. So the thing I would tell Katya at age 20 is just please, please like look in your eyes in the mirror and believe in yourself. Know you can figure this out. Know that you have a support system and just act from the the belief in yourself for sure. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, who or what is inspiring you lately? Ooh, so I really like to kind of put a lot of knowledge and self-belief in myself. The thing that has been inspiring me the most lately, this is going to seem silly, but are like overall women who are doing really well in business. So there's a few people that come to mind. One is going to seem a little funny, but Rihanna, I like really appreciate the fact that she's done so well in business in particular. I think that's incredible. I love Sarah Blakely, who's the founder of Spanx. But just really seeing women who are kind of doing it all has been really, really inspiring, inspiring me lately. And just like reading a lot of books by women. Those are the two that kind of come to mind the most right now. Mm, I love it. Yeah, because I know you and I both have kind of some vision for our own entrepreneurial journeys. Yeah. Um, Okay, last question for you. This podcast is called Wild Hearts with Janine. So in your opinion, what makes someone a wild heart? I love this question. I think someone who's just willing to be themselves unapologetically is the biggest thing. Because a lot of reasons why someone won't do a solo travel is, again, not believing in themselves, 
and not wanting to kind of, you know, go against the norm around them. So I think if you really actually do the things that are really on your soul to do and really on your heart to do, like that's the wildest thing, you know, and the, the way that comes to mind, like the analogy is like, you know, when you're out dancing, whether it's like at a birthday mm-hmm. party or in a restaurant or in a club and there's someone who's feeling the music and it might not look the best, but like you could tell they're having an amazing <laughs> time and everyone wants to be around them. I feel like doing that in your actual passions in life looks like that. People are like, that looks kind of crazy, but amazing. I think that's the wildest <laughs> thing you can do. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh, because we all have seen that or in some form or fashion where you're like, they are getting it, whatever it is, and I'm so happy for them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's, that's how I want to live my life, you know, mm-hmm. even if it looks a little kooky, hopefully at one point it'll write the ship and it'll work out. Mm-hmm. Oh, Katya, this has been so wonderful. And like I said, it makes me want to be back out into the world soon enough, I'm sure. Um, But thank you so much for, you know, coming on the podcast as my friend and someone I love um, and sharing about your experiences solo traveling um, and just encouraging listeners to like get out there and do the dang thing and take that first step. Um, It's been a real, real joy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's I love talking about this. Um, it's it's like breathing for me. I think travel is so important. So mm-hmm. I I just it's everything. I don't I don't have anything else to say. Thank you for having me. And if this <laughs> inspires just one person to go and travel or even go out and like make a new friend in a coffee shop or just like do something mm-hmm. out of their normal, like also understand like you can travel in your own city. That's already worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So so happy mm-hmm. to be on this podcast. Amazing. Ah, uh, well, I love you. I love you too, girl. Talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Wild Hearts with Janine. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with my friend Katya and learned a lot about solo travel and hopefully some of your dreams of traveling solo have been ignited or reignited and you are getting excited about eventually getting back out into the world and possibly taking a solo trip. Don't forget, I do have a new online course. You can head to simplesolotravel.com to check it out and join today. I can't wait to help some of you guys have all of the tools and resources and confidence you need to successfully, safely, and confidently travel solo. We will be back in two weeks where I'll be sitting down with my friend Katie and we're going to be talking all about what we wish we knew in college. And trust me, there are so many things we wish we would have known. So until then, you guys keep dreaming, seeking, and stepping out in faith. 